commencing countdown. Three, two, one. This is the contracting experience. Connecting government contracting professionals to the world around them through conversations with acquisition influencers, insights into evolving hot topics, and sharing lessons learned from the field. In this episode, we sit down with Mr. Roger Westermeyer, Director of Enterprise Solution Support at the Air Force Installation Contracting Center. Roger partnered with Defense Acquisition University to develop a course on critical thinking. He discusses how we can apply critical thinking to the acquisition process. Roger also gives insight into where you can start if you're interested in learning more about how to critically think. Roger, you partnered with DAU, Defense Acquisition University, to develop a critical thinking course for acquisition professionals. What is critical thinking and why is it important for acquisition professionals? Oh, that's a great question to start with. So, you know, actually there's not really a universally accepted definition, but there's one that I've sort of pulled together from different sources that I really like to use. And it goes like this. It says, the process of analyzing, evaluating, and synthesizing information to make judgments and decisions. And let me break that down a little bit. So. The first part is the process. So it is a process. Um, and, and Daniel Kahneman wrote this famous book called um, Thinking Fast and Slow. And in that book, he talks about systems one thinking as being sort of your automatic thinking. And systems two thinking is more that deliberate critical thinking where you're actually evaluating information. So in, the sen- in critical thinking, it's, it's that systems two deliberate thinking. And we're really, like I said, analyzing, evaluating, and synthesizing, pulling information together to really make judgments and decisions. That's, that's really the bottom line. But when you're doing critical thinking, it involves things like questioning assumptions, considering different perspectives, which is really important, looking at the evidence and the facts, identifying what your biases are. We all have biases and logical fallacies, and then using reasoning or logic to arrive at informed conclusions. And really the way I think about it, it's about how to think, not what to think. Mm -hmm. And as far as why is it critical for acquisition professionals, so, you know, in general, I would say that improved critical thinking leads to better decisions and ultimately better personal and professional outcomes. So for an acquisition professional, it's better acquisition decisions better acquisition strategies. Mm-hmm. And I've been on this critical journey, critical thinking journey for a couple of years now, but I, I have to tell you a story of how it started. So about a dozen years ago, I was a director of contracting out at Ogden, and we were doing an ASP, and uh, General Masiello was the ASP chairperson. And we had the ASP, and General Masiello was not particularly happy about it. And afterwards, she, she pulled me aside. She goes, Roger's like, I want your team's thinking. And I'm like, yes, ma'am, I saluted. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. And afterwards, I thought, what does he mean? Of course we're thinking. So fast forward to, to more present times. Over in Air Force ICC, uh, as the technical director, I, I was looking at, at some of our acquisitions that did not go so well. Either they were behind schedule or they got protests and had to take corrective action. 
or they awarded them and the performance wasn't well. And when I did some analysis, I looked at it as like, our teams aren't critically thinking. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of weak assumptions or bad assumptions. They did poor market research and, and didn't do a good analysis. And really end up with, I would say, a lot of them with flawed acquisition strategies. And then it occurred to me, a lot of them, they were doing what I would call rinse and repeat acquisition strategies. They had a work contract, it would muddle along, do only mediocre. And then they would do the same thing a couple years later. And, and then when I thought about that, I remember those comments General Marcelo made a dozen years ago. It was like, she's really talking about critical thinking. Mm -hmm. That's what we need our team to do, that critical thinking, that analysis, uh, logical, fact-based type of thinking. So bottom line for acquisition professionals, improved critical thinking will lead to better decisions and better acquisition outcomes and better performance on our contracts. So I'm going to go off the cuff with this question then. Okay, sure. So what do you think causes that, like the, the maybe not critical thinking? I mean, I have some ideas in my head just from you know, my time out in the field, but I'm curious what, what you think. Yeah, so that's a great question. So um, there's, there's a, there's, we could spend hours just talking about the obstacles to critical thinking. There, there's several, uh, and, and I'll cover a few of them for you. So um, one of them is groupthink. That, that's common in organizations where you're tasked to solve some problem or do some acquisition strategy and one person picks up and says we do this and the other people say yeah, yeah, yeah and you're like, oh, I think that's a stupid idea. Mm -hmm. But you don't want to speak up in the crowd so you just nod your head. Mm -hmm. So that's groupthink, everybody's heard of that. Another one is egocentric thinking. And that's where you always think from your own perspective but sometimes um, you really need to consider other people's perspectives, mm -hmm. outside perspectives, other than just your own viewpoint. I mean, your perspective is based on your experiences, your training. But there's other people that have had different experiences and different training, different backgrounds that can bring a lot to the conversation. So that's one of the challenges. Another one is called social conditioning. And that's, for a better word, that's more like culture. Mm -hmm. It's how you're raised, you know, contracting people have a certain culture. Uh, country people have a different culture. So there's a lot of different cultures out there that sort of frame the way you think. Mm -hmm. um, another one is, is, is called the perceived inability to teach it, as far as teaching critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And I view critical thinking a lot like leadership. You know, some people are just born with it, leadership skills, and some people I think are born with decent critical thinking skills. But even those that aren't born with it can learn it, mm -hmm. at least be proficient. We now become professionals, but at least proficient. So I do believe it can be taught. And then sort of along that line, just lack of, lack of practice and, and poor skills. So like any skill, you can take training, you can practice it and try to improve. So it's sort of an improvement thing. And there's a lot of others too, like emotions. Um, you know, how many times have we had emotions cloud our judgment mm -hmm. every day? So that's something you always got to be thinking about. Uh, I already mentioned assumptions. We, we make a lot of assumptions in our business. We really need to look at those assumptions, both the ones that are stated and those that are unstated, and seeing if they're valid. And then often we get time crunch, certainly in contracting, you know, end of year, we got to go fast, fast, fast. Um, sometimes we don't have, perceived that we don't have time to slow down and think a little bit. Uh, and, and then there's things called cognitive biases and logical fallacies, which I'll just touch on a little bit. 
So cognitive bias is what we call a, a subconscious error in thinking that leads you to misinterpret information and make bad judgments. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a couple of examples. This is where the brain's sort of like automatically thinking yeah. and you're not slowing down. So here's a couple of examples. There's one called anchoring. So that's like when you go to buy a car and you see the sticker price, and let's say a car is $45,000. The dealer paid 38 for it. But you start your negotiation trying to come down from that 45000 You're anchored at that 45000 mm -hmm. price. It's no different than when you're a contracting officer and the contractor throws in some huge bid. They're, they're, you know, sole source situation, they throw in a big bid, and you're just like in sticker shock. And you feel you got to start and negotiate your way down. Mm -hmm. So that's called anchoring yeah. is one example. Another one we all heard of is sunk costs. That, that's another um, a bias where let's say you've got an old beater car, your kid drives around, um, and, and you put new tires on, you spend 700 bucks on new tires. Next year, the transmission falls out. It's like, oh, it's going to cost $4,000 to fix, fix it, but I just bought new tires. And, and, and so you go ahead and pay $4,000 on a car that's worth $4,000. So that's a sunk cost. So there's just two examples. There's, there's literally like 50 uh, biases. And the other one is called logical fallacies. And that's what they call a flaw in reasoning. So that might be somebody appeals to emotion. It is a common one. Where it's like, oh, I know this schedule is aggressive, but the warfighter needs us tomorrow, so it is what it is, and we just right. got to go. Or it could be something like, um, you know, anecdotal or cherry-picking data, where they give one little data point to make a point. It was like there's a lot of other data. So there's this, those are some of the few, I would say, obstacles to critical thinking well. Yeah, and I, I think those are really good to bring up because that's what people see every day in their in their work, right? Oh yeah, you got time rushes, you got yeah. group thing, all these things happen. And that's what I tell people is, you need to number one identify when there's a bias if you can, because those are mm -hmm. sort of subconscious or a logical fallacy, and then just try to address it. And a lot of them, it, it's not their people are being bad or anything like that. It's just just the way the brain is wired. Yeah. So the big thing is recognize them and then slowing down and say, okay, let's, let me slow down, let me gather some facts, let me validate some of these assumptions, ask some questions, which I'll talk about in a second, and really try and discern what is accurate and what is the right thing to do. Yeah. I, I find, I'm just thinking about my own like biases when I notice that some, like if I am, am hearing a thought, I was like, you have to do this, or this is what needs to happen. It's almost yeah. like, that's a cue, like I should question that maybe, like yeah. is that true? Well, it's <laughs> funny, we could talk hours, but that's called framing. That's, a, that's one of the biases where a question or problem is to framed in a certain way to sort of point you to the answer. Mm -hmm. Or like your boss says, oh, this is what you need to do, or this We've is what the answer is. We've always done it this way. We always this done it this way. That's, copy called, and paste. <laughs> that's called framing. Uh, yeah. And that's one of the many biases out there where you sort of inclined to go towards that direction without s sitting back and really analyzing the situation. Yeah. And the first one I was thinking about when, when we started talking about this was like checklists or like this is what you need to follow. Right. And those are great. Like right. I'm not saying that we don't need those. We do need those, especially when you're training people yeah. and all that. But also asking questions like you said of, well, why are we doing it this way? And I need to understand that as a buyer or a contracting officer of like, why are we making sure that we're hitting these things? Yeah, th that's a perfect example. So I, I understand checklists and, and certainly new people need them. but they need to understand the underlying reasons behind those steps. I think the best critical thinking are two-year-olds. Like, Dad, why is the sky blue? Why is this? We need to be two-year-olds and, and be asking a lot of questions and understanding why we're doing things and what the business environment is, what the market is, and having those types of foundational understandings. Yeah. 
and we can to your point we can ask those questions of our like to ourselves right. so that way you're like being empowered so then if you can't figure it out then go talk to your boss or another pco oh, yeah. or buyer and say hey i've been looking into this and i'm wondering why are we doing it this way and i've found this and this so that's like you can carry that kind of conversation and really get to a decision point maybe or yeah. or find something new at that point oh absolutely that's what i'm talking about getting other perspectives different people have different experiences different backgrounds different trainings so when i'm over I'm working an issue is I, I try to surround my people with a lot of good thinkers with different backgrounds and experiences and collectively we can usually arrive at a, at a good decision or a good strategy. Yeah. All right, so intellectual standards. What's meant by intellectual standards and how can acquisition professionals use questions to improve the quality of uh, Yeah, and I love the question part. So I know intellectual standards sounds a little snobby, but it, it's, it's a common <laughs> term. So when we refer to intellectual standards, there are actually nine criteria or benchmarks on how to evaluate the quality and rigorous thinking and, and, and thinking processes. So I'll cover them real quickly and then I'll dig in a little deeper. So the, the nine are clarity, accuracy, logic, precision, depth, significance, relevance, breadth, and fairness. And for each of these, you can use questions to, to, to get more clear. So let me give you examples. So for clarity, some questions you might ask is like, could you elaborate more? Could you explain that? Could you give me an example? Mm -hmm. So recently I had a, a contractor give me a pitch and they said, oh, we, we do third party logistics. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Could you explain to me what that is and give me an example? Mm -hmm. And they did, it's like, oh, okay, got it. Yeah. So accuracy is, um, really checking the facts, checking your assumptions, and really making sure your data is accurate. Well, and can we go back to that first one? Because I think sometimes, you know, when, when you're out in the field and you're in, in a meeting with all these people where you're like, everybody knows what they're doing, and right. maybe I don't, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, you're afraid to ask those questions to right. get clarity. But really, like, by asking those questions, you might bring some new information to the group that maybe not everybody doesn't know, and you might be, having those biases, assuming that people know this and that this is something that the program's already looked at, but by bringing it up, it could bring up a new piece of information that could be helpful to your acquisition. Yeah, and it's funny, there's something called intellectual traits, and one of them is called intellectual courage. And that means to dare to question and challenge popular and long-held beliefs in the face of new information or evidence. So that's something I think we all struggle with is we're in that situation having the courage to speak up and say, hey, have we considered some other ideas here yeah. or some other perspectives or some other thoughts? So that's called intellectual uh, courage and that's one of the intellectual traits. Yeah. Uh, an accuracy, like I said, trying to get to the facts. Uh, and so if you're doing an acquisition and things think, oh yeah, we're gonna get plenty of competition on that. So how did, how did you reach that? What would, how, how'd you get that assumption? How'd you, how did you get to that point where you think you are? Mm -hmm. The other one is logic, and that's just logic and rationale. Does everything you say make sense? Is there evidence? Is there logic behind it? You know, like sometimes you work in acquisition and somebody says, what is your protest risk? And they said, oh, it's low. Okay, explain to me mm -hmm. why it's low. What, why do you think it's low? What are your facts or, you know, what are the reasons you think it's low? Another one uh, is the one called precision. And that's if, like somebody says, how, you know, how much does something cost? Instead of saying, oh, oh, it's a little bit more. 
well, how much more is it? Mm -hmm. You know, or if you're working with your mission partners, it's, oh, we went and mod the contract and add this little thing on, but we don't think it'll cost anything or cost a little. It's like, really? How much do you think it really will cost? So it's asking, you know, trying to get a little more depth in, 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 into it and be a little more exacting instead mm -hmm. of just vague statements and stuff like that. Another one sort of related is depth. And, and what factors make this decision difficult? What are the complexities? What are the difficulties? Like if you're building a schedule, wh how complex is it? How many bidders are you gonna get? Is, is it gonna be really hard if you have 50 uh, evaluation factors, and it's gonna be really hard to do, mm -hmm. do your source selection? So it's understanding the depth and complexity of issues. The next one is significance, and that's just how important it is that every day we're working a lot of different issues, so what are we working the most important ones? Because we can't work everything. And then relevance is the next one. And, and this is, sometimes you heard the term red herring. That's when somebody throws something out and you end up with a 15 minute rabbit hole in an issue. Right. Just need to be wary of those. And, and once again, stick to the things that are most important. And then breadth. Breadth is, is one of those I really like. And, and as, do we need to look at this from another perspective? Once again, I'll get back to it. If you're working an issue, have you talked to your program managers? Have you talked to industry or the contractor? you talked to FM? Have you talked to people who've been here a while? Getting those different perspectives, I think, will help you make a better informed decision. And then the last one of the intellectual standards is something called fairness. And, and that's where I said, are, are we being honest uh, in, in what we're assessing thing? And I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, I was working on an issue where a contractor had requested an equitable adjustment. And the contracting officers were like, oh, nope, we're, we're gonna deny it. And I was like, well, why did they ask for it? And found out that, that we had given them a, a poor workload estimate. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, maybe there's some merit in here. Let's take a look at it and really be honest about ourselves on it. So those are what they call the intellectual standards. And I, I really think, if one of the keys to improving your critical thinking skills is to ask questions uh, and, and get, get, get a little more granular in the facts and the data and, and, and help you make an informed decision. So we talked about what critical thinking is, what some obstacles are to critical thinking, and then the intellectual standards. Yeah. Um, so is there a process for doing critical thinking? Oh, that's a great question. So I've always been a process guy. I, I started my my career in Strategic Air Command where there was a checklist and process for everything. And when I got into this critical thinking, there really isn't a process per se, but there is a framework that I use, and it's, um, it's called the Eight Elements of Thought. And it was a model developed by Dr. Richard Paul, who was like one of the leading people in critical thinking. And it's sort of, I almost to me, is, I sort of use it as a process. So step one is determine what your purpose is. What, what, do you, what is your goal, what is the objective, what are you trying to solve, or what is the issue at hand? The next thing is what questions are, are at this issue and what questions do I need to ask? Uh, and, and that'll help you sort of start thinking this through of, of where to go. And the next thing is what information do I need to make this decision? What facts, who do I need to talk to? What data, what observations? And you sort of gather that in. And then once you have that information, you have to make what they call interpretations or inferences, sort of make, sort of make judgments on that information. It's like, and that'll sort of guide your eventual decisions as you gather that information and evaluate the quality of it. And we do that, you also look at concepts and theories and things like that.
And then the big one is, what are the assumptions? And that one, I'll, I'll put stop again, is, is whether they're stated or unstated, what assumptions, we're gonna have competition, inflation is gonna be 3%, whatever. What, what are the assumptions in your, in your process that you're evaluating, and can you validate or confirm those? Mm -hmm. I, I remember a couple years ago, I was helping a team uh, do a construction project. It was to uh, renovate the, the, the chapel at the Air Force Academy, mm -hmm. which is a large aluminum structure. Mm -hmm. So long story short, they end up in a sole source situation, and the contractor came in with a really high price on the cost of the aluminum. And, uh, and the vendor said, oh, price has been going crazy the last couple of years, and that's why we put an escalation in there, like 5% or 8%, something like that. And so, and, and the contracting officer said, hey, sir, can you do a little market research for me? So I pulled down an industry report on aluminum, and I said, yes, the market had been very volatile, but those factors have changed. The market is steady, consistent now, and the escalation rate they're projecting is like 2%. So instead of just assuming the contractor said escalation should be 5%, they dug, did, we did some little research and said, no, it really should be two. Yeah. So really that's one thing you think about really importantly is looking at those assumptions. And then once you've done all the assumptions, think about the implications and consequences of your decision. You know, if you're gonna do a small bit of set aside, how will that affect your competition? Or whatever your acquisition strategy is, or decision is, let's say you're gonna do regions for an enterprise contract. So we break this up in regions, how many vendors do we need, and what, what are the consequences of doing regions? Mm -hmm. So thinking through how it might play out, for lack of a better word, whatever, and the pros and cons, and what the risks are. And then lastly, my favorite again, is that point of view and that perspective. And getting as many perspectives out there to understand, get different different viewpoints from different people because they have different experiences. And like I said, I'm, I'm a big a believer in diversity and having people with different experiences whenever I'm working anything. And, and that's, like I said, that's what I use. I call, it's called the eight elements of thoughts. Yeah, and it's actually, if you really think about, if you take like your market research example through there, mm. I mean, it's kind of intuitive. Yeah. So it's like you, you broke it down into these eight steps, but if somebody decided, hey, I'm facing this issue, like maybe take it through there and see right. what comes up. I think it might be interesting to just like, maybe bullet point like, okay, yeah. and just to get your mind thinking, and then you could maybe like make it bigger, right, at some point with your, with your multifunctional team or whatever, right. but really taking yourself through it first to see like what does come up for me in this and have we, yeah. have we even thought about this and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and whenever I'm working an acquisition strategy, we have a discussion whether or not to do a small business set aside, I always ask, well, what did your market research tell you? Mm -hmm. how, how many firms out there can do it? Do they have the capability, the capacity, and a financial viability and sort of ask those types of questions and then if you've done your good market research then the set aside discussion should be pretty straightforward if you've done that market research properly and have that documented in your market research report yeah so we talked about one of the intellectual traits before are yeah. there any other intellectual traits yeah th there's uh, eight of them and i'll cover them real quickly because uh, sort of what we're getting at is that intellectual standards is you know trying to get the right information, and then putting in that framework to go through the wheel. The intellectual traits is sort of like where you'd want to be as a person, mm -hmm. to be a good, what they call, well-cultivated critical thinker. Mm -hmm. So the first one is called intellectual humility, and, and that's just acknowledging that you have biases, mm -hmm. 
and there's limits to your knowledge. That, that's just really being a humble person about it, quite frankly. Next one is clarity. We always talked about that as making sure we're clear on what we're trying to achieve. Another one is that intellectual integrity um, in holding everyone to the same standards of, of what we're doing. Uh, and related to that is something called confidence and reason. And that says if you follow through the process, having confidence in the outcome and trusting your judgments. Uh, I already talked about intellectual courage, and that's like having that courage to speak up in a meeting and says, I think we should try this. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the leaders in the room will appreciate the input from others uh, and, and listen to those viewpoints. They may decide to do something else, but I always tell people, tell me what your thoughts are, uh, and, and then we can and, and eventually decide what is the right way to go. Mm -hmm. Another one is intellectual autonomy, and that's really about thinking independently and not being overly influenced by others which I know can be a challenge in, in our military environment, mm -hmm. but it's having that autonomy to do, think on your own, mm -hmm. basically. Then there's intellectual empathy, and that one I really like, that's once again about those perspectives. It's a caring about other people's viewpoints, mm -hmm. which I think is really important. And the last couple is intellectual perseverance, and, and that's just, just having the wherewithal to keep moving forward until you have the facts and the information you need to make a good decision. And sometimes like you never have perfect data, but pressing forward to get enough information and doing enough analysis to make a good decision. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is that intellectual fair-mindedness. And that's, that's um, not cherry-picking data, uh, but being fair and honest about the information you had. And make it. sometimes you start something and you think the answer is this way, and after you do the analysis, it's pointing you that way. That's having as like, yep, I did the analysis, and to be fair, this is the way we now need to go. Mm -hmm. And those are, I say, are called the intellectual traits, and that's where you want to work towards being. Nobody's perfect, nobody's ever, you know, born a perfect critical thinker, but you should strive to have those qualities as both in your personal life mm -hmm. and in your professional life as an acquisition professional. Yeah, makes ma making decisions maybe a little easier or better and also helps relationships oh, when you're working with people. 100%, 100% right? agree with that. So Roger, what tools and training are available to learn more about critical thinking? Yeah, fortunately there's a lot of tools out there. So you already mentioned the DAU course, so we partnered with the DAU a couple years ago on a critical thinking course, six hour online. It's not the two hour CLC, but there's a six hour course, so it should be on their site and available for use. Um, one thing I carry around, there's a, a miniature guide, it's a little pamphlet for critical thinking, it's a little pocket sized guide. Uh, it's very easy and it's a good little reference tool. So I, you know, General Trevino bought me one. I don't know if that was a hint or not, <laughs> but, uh, but I carry it with me all the time. It's great to have. And there's a couple of good websites um, too that have a lot of information. There's one called the Foundation for Critical Thinking, okay. and there's one called the School of Thought. And both of those are nonprofits that have a lot of information available. Okay. And then of course there's books. I, I mentioned Thinking Fast and Slow. That's the book by Daniel Kahneman. It's really good. That one's more written from an academic perspective, a little hard to read, but it's very good. If you want to try and figure out how your brain works, I right. recommend that one. The other one is Think Again, and that's a more recent book by Adam Grant. That's a very easy read with a lot of stories and examples. So uh, that one, I'd highly recommend it. It's a very good read about thinking again and challenging your assumptions and, and sometimes when you're presented with new information, taking another look at it. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's podcasts, lots of podcasts. Mm -hmm. Adam Grant has one, there's others. So those, all those tools are available uh, and, and a lot of them are free. So. Awesome. 
Well, Roger, I appreciate you being on the podcast and, and sharing all those resources. And we'll try to put some of those in the, in the show notes for everybody. So thanks again for being on. All right. Thank you very much. If you have suggestions for topics or people to interview or feedback on the podcast, you can submit those at thecontractingexperience at gmail.com. I want to thank you all for listening to the Contracting Experience podcast. Until next time, keep connecting to the world around you.